0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, Member FDSE. There was an idea, the Avengers' initiative. I'm do this all day. You're a I'm a superhero. I come to bargain. I
1: want you to
2: That's my secret, Captain. I'm always angry. You should have gone for
0: the head.
1: Wakanda
0: forever! Sam. Why is Gamora? Iron Man. We are.
1: Welcome to a brand new episode of Den of Geek Presents Marvel Standom, where we try to give you the deepest possible dives on all the things going on in the MCU, Marvel Comics and beyond. I'm your host, Den of Geek News and Features Editor Kirsten Howard, and joining me today are the sleepiest TV editor around, Alec Bajalad, and infamous pop culture writer and doctor in residence, Joe George. This episode of Marvel Standem is sponsored by eBay. We'll be talking more about that soon. But first, let's dig into the second episode of Loki Season 2, Breaking Brad, where Loki and Mobius try to track down Sylvie and stop General Dox's plans to prune the burgeoning multiverse. Alec, I'll start with you. What did you think of this episode?
2: Oh, it was fun. I mentioned last week uh, how it, in this show it feels like um, Loki is just Tom Hiddleston. Um, and I, this is definitely the episode that I was referring to, and I think uh, Kirsten, you even mentioned it in your review, yeah, where it's just like the first 10 minutes of the ep- episode is him just like being a spy again. <laughs> this was fun, there's some cool stuff in here. I obviously like um, the shrinking murder box, which I'm sure we're going to talk about in a bit, yeah, man. Like Loki, it, it, it just still seems a cut above, um a lot of the recent uh, marvel tv stuff
1: how about you joe what did you think of this one yeah
0: exact same a lot of fun really enjoyed it um i didn't know that kihi kwan was going to be a reoccurring character so it was really nice to see him pop up again and you didn't get as much to do but uh yeah a lot of fun overall i do find this is the second episode in the row on a in a row in which the first two thirds are an utter delight. And that last third, I well, where the stakes kind of get raised, I kind of check out a little bit. The first episode that didn't bother me quite so much, you know, I I, I still got what was going on despite the uh, gobbledygook. This second one, <clears throat> that that last bit where they're pruning the timelines, I feel like they were really trying to tell me to feel something about it. And I did not at all, which isn't a problem unique to loki you know it's 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 i think in most superhero tv shows um so that's my one ding but besides that it's an utter delight
1: yeah i agree with both of you here alex to your point about tom middleston just playing tom middleston in Mm the show now yeah and we 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 also see that that is that's more obvious, I think, in this episode Because he kind of, when he's chasing down Brad He uses his magic against him to trap him And, you know, in the past, perhaps we'd have been a bit scared for Brad But now we're just like, oh, well, Loki's not going to do anything to him Because he's a good guy now, he's he's Tom now And also when he is pretend, pretending to be quite uh, threatening to Brad In the torture room, um, which is what I'm going to call it You know, it is, let's be honest um, um he, he when he's really dialing up his sort of lokiness, you just you kind of miss that glimmer in his eye from uh, when he used to be uh, a little bit more dangerous than he is now. The edges have kind of been sanded off this character a bit. And to Joe, what were, what were you just saying, Joe? Remind me. I have no idea. You were just saying (laughs) something and I was like, the last third
0: of the (laughs) show, it doesn't click as well as the, when they start ramping things up.
1: And I think that I've seen a few comments about that. And it's like, because they don't really show you what happens to these timelines. Right. It's all sort of on a screen with some very basic graphics showing like all these, you know, timelines have been pruned, all those lives have been lost. And you're just like, but I don't have any sense of, that or the gravity of that because it's not in context for me like visually not that I want to see trillions of people murdered or anything like that, but they kind of because they just blink out of existence there's nothing that they can really show us but it, it doesn't have the impact um on screen so they try to show it through the character's eyes like how they feel about it but perhaps it doesn't quite work as well as um they thought it would um so I, I agree with you both there
2: it's like the That's, Oppenheimer approach. Like, right? It's it's Oppenheimer's point of view, which makes sense for <laughs> Oppenheimer because he was a real guy, as opposed yeah. to like, oh no, we it, it's it's Loki's point of view. It's like, I don't really care about Loki's <laughs> point of view. Yeah. Like, I, I would like to feel the trillions of people dying a little more.
0: <laughs> I feel like they saddled Sylvie with that role of of you know showing us the anchor, and it's it's not anything on that actor. I just. I don't think that that character has been developed in quite the way to handle that. And it's just it's such a abrupt turn from what I'm going to the show for. You know, I'm not I'm not bothered so much that Loki is Tom and I'm not bothered by the techno babble because really the thing I enjoy about the show is is seeing the character interactions Um, and when it downplays those for the sake of this sort of emotional charge it just it it falls flat i i hope that some they've done it kind of two episodes in a row now and they got away with it in the first one i really hope this isn't a reoccurring thing for the rest of the season because that would be a, a miscalculation and a bummer
1: as for brad wolf aka x5 aka zaniac played by is it rafael casal the actor yeah he's great in this episode and he kind of he's kind of holding it up um for quite a lot of it um what can you tell us a bit because i have no idea i've never read any of the comics or that zaniac is in joe can you fill us in a little bit on how they've adapted that character for the show and um whether you think they've done a good job here
0: well let me put your mind at ease and tell you there are only three comics in which zaniac yeah. slash brad wolf appears and uh th- they're from the early 80s and they are not gr- in the comics it's kind of the same thing except um zaniac is a green goopy monster this looks like a swamp monster kind of like a uh, mix between to switch over to dc for a minute a mix between blockbuster and uh uh solomon grundy so I don't know if you get that, you probably know who Zania hey. is. No. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that's not very useful, I suppose. He's just a green swampy guy. And, okay. and in the comic, you know, it is very much a straight up 80s slasher sort of thing, except he hates women. And that's like the whole bit is that he wants to go kill women. There's a really funny part in uh the the second appearance that he makes where he sees Thor kind of Uh, bending down over somebody and he sees thor's long blonde hair and he's like oh my pretty and you know thinks it's a woman that he's about to kill um later in the pages of the official marvel handbook not in any sort of issue they throw out that zaniac is a bug monster uh think jason goes to hell version of jason uh a bug monster that possesses various hosts and makes them kill women and the most famous example of this is um is uh is jack the ripper and so what i'm kind of getting at here is this is a nothing throwaway character same thing with brad wolf that they've strangely picked up and the only reason i think they picked it up is because the second Xaniac story does involve the tva um so i'm sure when somebody's doing research of what the tva is they they ran across this and like oh we can use this but it's a strangely accurate uh, <laughs> portrayal from the comics and as somebody who's been watching comic book adaptations for a long time i sort of love that this is the way that they're doing it you know it, it, when you think of like um like a uh, uh, iron man 3 for example uses betty brant as a throwaway character you know she's the one that fights uh uh tony stark in a restaurant and blows herself up well that's a major character from man thing comics and it's kind of like well why did you pull this character on throw that name on there just to blow her up this i really appreciate that they took a throwaway character and made it into a throwaway character so on both levels i i kind of love it my monologue is done now sorry i've been watching (laughs) mike flanagan all weekend so lots of monologues from me
1: I've been watching The Fall of the House of Usher, too, and I I didn't notice that many monologues in this. You guys hyped it up for Midnight Mass, so, which I didn't didn't actually watch. She said there were like like X number of monologues per minute, you know, in uh, Midnight Mass. But I'd, I've not noticed a lot of them here.
0: There are definitely fewer. I, did, I could stand a few more.
1: Oh, They're definitely there in Midnight laughing.
0: Mass, which rules <laughs> and you need to watch it.
1: I will check it out I'll get through Usher first um, So with Brad Wolf Zaniac Loki and Mobius capture him At the premiere of his new movie um, They take him back to the TVA And they take him to The torture room Basically, I'm not going to call it anything else It is a torture room I didn't love seeing um, <laughs> That I didn't like that seeing uh, seeing that working out I didn't like seeing that working out Well for our good guys Let's put it that way um because it was torture um they're threatening his life and I get that they wanted the information from him and it it was but I I didn't love it seeing it work out. How did you feel about that scene? I know Jale- Alec you loved the torture box you were biggest fan. so Completely
2: <laughs> enthusiastic about it no no reservations whatsoever. <laughs> comic book movies and tv shows need to bring back creative torture. What are these projects if not an avenue for creativity? And one of the ways in which you can be creative is how to torment somebody. <laughs> um it, it does help that that actor Rafael Casal is like weirdly good, like for some guy that I'd never heard of and just kind of like wandered on screen into an existing project his fear is pretty palpable i like the breaks that loki and uh, mobius take throughout to go have their pie um i i think it just like it's it's a fun clever way to build around the episode and like shrinking space is just so inherently
0: terrifying
1: what what about you joe you pro-torture or like alec or anti-torture
0: I liked the scene. I thought it was really well done. And I liked it because, as I said last time, I want some more reminders that Loki is a bad guy. Um, and well, I cringe a little bit when Alex says you want more torture in in superhero stuff, because, because as a lefty you know, who loves superheroes, you're always kind of wrestling with that are they really fascist power fantasies and the Kunavar? Kind of but Alan Moore's wrong about that in a lot of ways. Um, and so you're kind of always wrestling with that a little bit, but I liked it as the way it was performed. And it's just, a, I kind of want Loki to be a villain. I, like I mentioned last time I, I, that is the part that bums me out about Loki being Tom is that we miss some of that malevolence and it's, it, it's turned a little too quick. So I liked it for that reason that it, we got back to evil loki um a little bit. I'm not sure about how I feel about Mobius participating in that. I think that's a missed opportunity to add some tension there between the two of them, but maybe we don't really want tension and we just want the two of them to be buddies, you know, the the good cop bad cop thing that they're playing along they can play it along with no with no repercussions. I do wonder do you do you guys think he would have squished brad wolf all the way had it come to that
1: no
2: no no so he's tom middleston
1: right
0: right yeah timeline wise what has it been like two weeks in marvel time since he ripped a guy's eyeball out in the avengers you know that's that that change is happening too quickly and no i don't want to see somebody get squished to death outside of like a saw movie but I want to believe that he could do it. I feel like there's some tension there that they're leaving that, that, that they're just tossing aside. And, and I think that's a missed opportunity. I think it could be a little bit richer as much as I enjoy the show. I think they're missing something there. You're not wrong, but I, I also think I
2: just prefer Tom Hiddleston to Loki. That, all, that might be one of the reasons why I like the show so much, which is ironically named Loki. Like the, the name becomes like <laughs>
0: less apps <laughs> than, uh, after each week. So as the letters are changing, you just want them to be T-O-M? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think the series finale is like, that's how it ends, Tom.
1: Before we continue, it's time to share this message powered by our sponsor, eBay. eBay is the premier destination for collecting comics both old and new. Whether it's that highly sought-after iconic comic or an obscure niche that speaks directly to you, odds are you'll certainly find it on eBay. Here's a list of comics that are must-haves for any fan of the character Sylvie is based on, Enchantress. Journey into Mystery 103. Sylvie's oldest forebear is an Asgardian magic user called Amora, AKA the Enchantress. Enchantress entered the Marvel Universe with Journey Into Mystery 103 alongside a physical powerhouse called the Executioner. As part of a plot to overthrow Odin, Loki sends Enchantress and Executioner to Earth to break up Jane Foster and Thor's alter ego, Dr. Blake. Okay, it's not the most high-stakes story in the world, but that doesn't make Journey Into Mystery 103 a dull read by any means. Jack Kirby's pencils have rarely looked better, thanks to strong clean line work from Inca Chic Stone. Augmented by Stanley's corny dialogue, Journey into Mystery 103 is a pop art masterpiece of superheroic goofiness. Thor 403 When Thor fought the Executioner and the Enchantress again many years later, they didn't waste time tugging at the God of Thunder's heartstrings. Instead, they got right into action, with Executioner duking it out with Thor while Enchantress toyed with reality to corrupt the hero's honor. Writers Tom DeFalco and Ron Frenz, working with finishing artist Joe Sinnott, channel the best parts of the Kirby and Lee era of Thor. Everything in this simple confrontation is dialed up to 11, from the impact of Thor and executioner trading blows to Enchantress's nefarious dialogue. Thor 5, the third volume of Thor's solo comic takes a very different approach to its title character. After Ragnarok destroyed Asgard and all of its inhabitants in the previous series, Thor reappears not on a reconstituted rainbow bridge, but in rural Oklahoma. Thor Volume 3 finds the Norse gods returning to reality in this unlikely locale, a story that combines high fantasy and real-world drama, as in the original Kirby and Lee stories. Thor 5 tells the story of Lady Sif's return to reality. But as she and Thor have a happy reunion, he begins to realize that all is not what it seems and that the Enchantress is to blame. Dark Reign, Young Avengers 1. So if the female Loki in the show Loki is based on Enchantress, why doesn't she have the name Amora? And where did the name Sylvie even come from? Well, it came from the second Enchantress, a human from Oklahoma named Sylvie Lushton. When the Asgardians begin manifesting in her hometown, Sylvie gains the powers of the Enchantress and eventually takes the name as well. As the Enchantress, Sylvie has walked the line between hero and villain, just like her live action counterpart. That story begins in Dark Reign Young Avengers 1 by Paul Cornell and Mark Brooks, which sees a teen group called the Young Masters masquerading as good guys. Part of a company-wide storyline in which bad guys finally defeat the heroes, Dark Reign Young Avengers gives readers a Sylvie they can recognize, who has the capacity for good, but so often gives in to her worst instincts. Illuminati 3 Whatever gestures towards heroism Sylvie may have shown earlier, she seems ready to embrace her dark side as a member of the new Illuminati, led by fellow goodie-turned-baddie The Hood. Alongside Titania, The Mad Thinker and others, Sylvie battles villains like The Wrecker and Tombstone, all while trying to avoid the attention of the Avengers. Written by Joshua Williamson and drawn by Sean Crystal, Illuminati 3 gives readers more of the Sylvie they love from the MCU. Every time she appears to be one thing, whether that be a pure hero or villain, she quickly reveals herself to be something else. Head on over to eBay.com today to start or expand your collection. And now back to the show. So at the end of the episode, uh, it's got kind of a subdued ending where the TVA are kind of processing what's happened with General Docs and the pruning of the timelines. And then we sort of... We sort of focus on Sylvie, who is back in her branch timeline, which hasn't been pruned. Um, She's still working at McDonald's and she's lying. Is it on the bed of her truck? I feel like it is. And she's got in her hand a little shiny thing and she's sort of fiddling with it. And it's He Who Remains Tempad, which she took at the end of the season finale. And it feels like this is a significant moment, but I don't think. I don't think everyone understands why it's significant or the the audience isn't quite able to understand why it's significant. Sylvie took this tempad from He Who Remains um, when she killed him. And it was through this that she opened the time door to push Loki into the past um, hundreds of years. So... What was explained is that he who remains had sort of bookmarked certain times on his tempad, and then he could uh, twist himself to those times so that he could evade being killed, and he could travel back in time to any point he wanted. So this is a significant point in the past that um, that Loki was thrown back to at the end of season one, and that he was st- he was still in at the start of season two. Um, now that Le- then now that Silver. Sylvie has this, how significant do you think it could be for the rest of the season? And are they going to use it as a kind of MacGuffin where Sylvie can save the day? What do you think, Joe?
0: Gosh, I hadn't thought that much about it. And no. <laughs> then when you said MacGuffin, I immediately was like, oh, yeah, that's what it's going to be. That's what it's going to be is it's exactly that. It's going to be an easy... Uh, what, what's the wrestling term face face turn it's gonna be an easily easy heel face turn. turn for her um
1: heel
0: turn. what's that
1: Heel, heel face
0: so yeah, I,
2: right? I didn't That's, realize yeah. that face turn was a thing i i so i only did heel turn
0: i don't know that it's a thing i don't i don't know wrestling people can yell at me about that um you're not a, doctor of it's a bummer that i mean as much as i'm enjoying the show this is kind of a problem boy i feel like i'm being such a downer on this app i don't feel well um i enjoy the episode i promise and i like marvel superheroes i promise but the shows have kind of <laughs> eroded my faith a little bit that they're going to, to to pull off those end of the episodes you know we've seen enough good series or enjoyable series that botch it right at the end so Yeah, I didn't thought about that, but now that you put that head in my that idea in my head, it's it's gonna be a MacGuffin, and I'll be bummed
2: if it is a MacGuffin, and they included that um, shot just to remind us that 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 tempat is there. It's kind of a shame because I feel like the 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 solution to how to fix the end of this episode is fairly obvious, which is destroy that McDonald's. (laughs) (laughs) Like we don't feel anything about the. The trillions of people that were pruned out of the 30% of the timelines because we've not really met any of them. We've, and look, but we have met that McDonald's. Like if, if uh, Sylvie tries to return to her temporal home only to find it to just be like literally empty space in the timeline, um, that could have been pretty emotionally affecting. Maybe they were just trying to shoehorn in that shot of Sylvie with the telltale tempad
1: also the um the credits at the end of each episode and i think it was this way in season 1 where they had the sort the sort of um you know as the the names come up and they have the visuals of the tva in the season 1 those tended to be sort of clues as to what upcoming episodes would be about or significant characters um and the names of the actors would get filled in on those shots um so there is one of the tempad um at the in the season two credits so it it feels like it is a significant clue it could be a red herring though joe maybe maybe it won't end up being a MacGuffin, and it'll um it'll just be you know a little distraction but it's it's a strange way to end an episode if it isn't significant
0: i hope it is hope it is a red herring
1: speaking of sylvie's mcdonald's um i'd like to ask what your mcdonald's era um your mcdonald's orders are any era
0: So I was four years old in 1982. Alec, you may not say how old you are or were in 1982, (laughs) but I was four years old. So I would have ordered a Happy Meal then. And now? I I don't know. Nuggets, whatever. I don't know. You're, You're a parent, too. So you must know this, that you don't eat McDonald's when you're a parent on your own you eat it because the kids demand it or is that not
1: right (laughs) okay the
0: kids demand it and you just want them to be quiet because sometimes parenting is all about keeping your kids alive but silent and so you will (laughs) shove that nasty food down their face and you will you will order whatever so probably nuggets i don't know no drink i mean a coke but i prefer pepsi or mountain dew so and they don't do that there so
1: you prefer pepsi to coke
0: Oh, wow. I prefer Mountain Dew to everything. Pepsi's better than Coke. Does this not a do we not agree with this? Wow. They must have weird. It's like your weird chocolate over there. You must have weird Coke <laughs> over there. I can't imagine they let the amount of sugar
2: that's in a Pepsi anywhere near Europe or the British Isles.
1: <laughs> <laughs> There's actually a sugar tax here. Yes. So the diet drinks are cheaper.
2: Yeah, I, I just eat McDonald's for the love of the game. my mcdonald's order is just a quarter pounder meal um with uh fries and a diet coke and not even because it costs less here just because i think diet coke tastes better i do wish mcdonald's still had the snack wraps though remember snack wraps Mm -hmm. that was those are game changers
0: you know what I, I I so I'm a former McDonald's employee and I worked there and I was in high school in the in the 90s. And because I worked in a Michigan one, they had the Berry Burger, which was a Barry Sanders, a guy that played for the Lions. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, they had the Berry. Bur- they had they like they had these themed for while I was working there, themed hamburgers around local sports guys. And it was like a barbecue and bacon burger. And so when I work there, you could just make whatever you want. And so I guess my ideal, I would love it if I could ever get it again, was the modified berry burger that 16 year old me made in the 1990s and could eat that sort of thing and not weigh like a billion pounds. That would be my
1: order. My McDonald's order is a Big Mac and a fillet of fish. Say, fillet of fish
2: really hits. Like
1: It really does. Underrated food product. Yeah. Trying to get back on track, it's the portion of the show where we talk about the Easter eggs. There were only two big ones that I saw this week. Feel free to interject or if you thought of some others apart from this, but uh, they were both posters Um, when they went to the Zaniac premiere. I saw a Kingo poster um, from Eternals. if anyone watching remembers that movie. Uh, Is that the one about the robots? It is yes, okay. Joe. It's the uh, it's the Marvel movie about the robots. Um, there was also a Phone Ranger poster. Now, I personally don't know much about the Phone Ranger in Marvel uh, history, but I'm just going to assume that Joe knows everything there is to know about Phone Ranger. I have never
0: heard of Phone Ranger until I read the run of show like an <laughs> hour ago. Who who caught that? Then I assume that was you.
1: Yeah, I I, I caught it, but. Um, I, I, did, I thought it was a joke I did look into it a bit And I'm going to read from a prompt now So apologise But I just genuinely don't know anything About Phone Ranger Apparently in the original comics He was uh, really obscure His name is A.G. Bell Uh, A Riff on like the inventor of the phone. Um, He is a telephone repairman who discovered alien technology uh, that gave him access to all communication devices across the world. And then he fought crime as the phone ranger. Are you telling me you haven't read every one of these comics, Joe? I'm surprised.
0: So I looked it up on on the fandom wiki right after this. And it's three again. Is it another three comics? It's been (laughs) in three, one of which his first appearance, he was written by Kurt Busiek, who's great. But it sounds like he was just created to be killed by. I can't remember if it was Full Killer or Scourge of the Underworld, but like created to die. And then he's in a weird, funny animal comic uh that i don't even remember who did it but some i should have looked this up but i'm i'm not well so i'm claiming behind that some like pig and and uh squirrel adventure comic that he's in and then like is in a background of one civil war crossover so no that's a deep dive i am i'm impressed with how deep the show is going this is good stuff
1: Okay, well, thanks, guys, for joining me today. I'm just going to I'm just going to move on. (laughs) Um, Do you know what? Next week is going to be it's going to be a show. I feel like we're going to have a lot to talk about. Joe, you've not seen this episode yet, but Alec and I have. And um, there's been a lot of discussion about episode three at Den of Geeks. So uh, I'm looking forward to rejoining you uh, both next week uh, to discuss that. And also we're going to talk about the Werewolf by Night in Colour believe so we'll we'll see I'm not sure whether those shows are going out at the same time or they'll be staggered but you will get both of those that's it for this episode of Marvel Standem. make sure you're subscribing to us wherever you're watching or listening right now don't forget to check out our web home of denofgeek.com where you can find all our Marvel coverage you can also follow us at Den of Geek US on Twitter and Den of Geek on Instagram if you need more all episodes of Marvel Standem are available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks once again to the sponsor of this episode, eBay. Be sure to check them out for all your Marvel-related collectibles. This has been Marvel Standem on the Den of Geek Network. Until next time, be good to each other and stay safe.
2: Thank you for listening to Marvel Standem, produced by Andrew Halley, Kirsten Howard, and Joe George. Hosted by Kirsten Howard. Editing and graphics by Andrew Halley. Social media coordinator, Lee Parham. Additional artwork by Chloe Lewis. Production assistant, Michael R. Music license from soundstripe.com. Marvel Standom is a production of the Den of Geek Network. For more information,
0: visit denofgeek.com.